2: Today on the Indo-Daily, the rise and rise of the alpha male influencer. This territory is ruled by one strong and determined leader. An alpha
1: male, his rule, gets him the best of everything.
2: The term alpha male originally referred to the animal kingdom, but today it has arguably become a weaponized term. Women don't respect
1: you.
0: Women really usually feel comfortable around you, but they don't perceive you as particularly masculine. They feel like they can walk all over you.
2: With the likes of Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson gaining global followings online, who's actually watching their content? This content is not necessarily that niche anymore, but rather it is being saturated into youth culture more generally. And why are their controversial and often misogynistic views resonating with a young male audience? Every day in 2020, humans collectively spent a million years on social media where it's not unusual for videos like this to be widely shared.
1: Fat,
0: ugly, sack of shit. Have you ever seen a woman try and do anything competently?
2: I'm Tabitha Monaghan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Dara Nolan, reporter with the Irish Independent, and by Irish Independent Deputy News Editor Rory Tadlin to discuss the growing industry around alpha male life coaching in Ireland and whether it has contributed to the rise of toxic masculinity. Dara, you went to a seminar over the weekend. That was led by social media influencer, life coach, I think he calls himself as well, David Meeson. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was, what you knew about it before you went in, maybe?
0: Before going in, I had a good look at Meeson's social media accounts, um, particularly his videos on TikTok, on Instagram. And you can really see it is this kind of alpha male type social media personality that has become more and more of a thing over the past number of years and it's a lot of advice about dating and how to be a successful man and how to find your ideal woman. And yeah, just kind of that projection of wealth and success and how to find a beautiful woman, very much of that ilk. And then this seminar, which had been advertised, strangely enough, as Dublin City, Saturday, December 2nd, location and time, TBD. So then that led me to a website where you had to register you had to give your, um, give your details. You got a confirmation email that tells you then Uh, where and when it's on, and um, then got a follow-up phone call as well, actually, which uh, very much felt like a hard sell of kind of really trying to look after the people that were were going along and kind of checking like, oh, do you need anything else before we get going? And just really leaning into that, like, we're going to treat you very well at this. And it was at a four-star hotel in Dublin 1 as well. In the end, it was 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Saturday, December 2nd, so a nine-hour affair all in.
2: And who is he?
0: So he is from Germany originally, came to Ireland around 10 years ago, I think he said in 2013, originally to coach karate, I believe. And he spoke at the seminar about how he quickly after that met his now ex-wife, and he essentially talked about how he had rushed into that relationship and that it was a marriage he didn't really want. And his explanation for that was he just kind of met a woman who was interested in him and rushed into a relationship because he didn't have any other dating options, as he put it. And then he went into a small bit of detail about how that just marriage, descended, and divorce. And then that led him to his eventual career as a dating slash life coach. Most men lack masculine energy in their expression in life as well or rather in particular in the interactions with women. Perhaps you're killing it in business. Maybe you have a great career. Maybe you're young and ambitious, old and rich, wherever you happen to be. You have certain areas in your life where you're living that masculine energy. But... When it comes to your interactions with women, you lack a lot of that. And what
1: I want to talk about...
0: And in May 2019, uh, looking at his Instagram, you can see that he got a certification from the Irish Life Coach Institute. Uh, It's worth noting, though, that life coaching is not a regulated industry. And then he just said that that kind of led him to where he is today, which is promising to help men find their dream woman or find their dream partner.
2: And you mentioned his social media posts and advice that he puts up there. Does he have much of a following?
0: So all in across all platforms, it's around 1.5 million. uh, Biggest on TikTok at over 700,000. He's got over 500,000 on Instagram and he's got over 270,000 on Facebook.
2: Okay. And then you said that this seminar was billed as trying to help other men be the perfect man, whatever that is. How long did you stay in the seminar for? And then what did you see? What were the activities that went on during the seminar?
0: So I was there for the first maybe two and a half hours of the seminar and still got a very clear picture, I think, of what was going on. I mentioned in the article that it actually started off quite wholesome, I would say. The first exercise was a very typical kind of everybody get up in front of the room and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about why you've come to this. And I was just really struck by the fact that it was a room full of men who were talking about how they want to open up more, how they want to have more meaningful relationships, how they want to learn how to be more confident and outgoing. And it was just men talking with other men very openly and very vulnerably about emotions and life and health and relationships. And that's no bad thing whatsoever. So that's how it started off. And then David himself spoke about the itinerary for the day and was very much leaning into that it would be very interactive, but he would be doing a lot of talking as well. But one thing that I did notice from those introductions was that a lot of the men that were there, and there was around 20 people, that some of them were existing clients of his. And before they had said anything, he would himself introduce them by their first name. And then they would talk about their experiences with what he calls his program and they would talk about the dating successes that they've had since they've been under his coaching. So it very much felt like a way to sell people that weren't already his clients on the program and you know, give real life examples of their successes.
2: What about the age ranges here? When we talk about the alpha male trend that's going on on social media at the moment, it's very much young men that are interacting with that. Was that reflective in the group that were at this seminar?
0: There was quite a range, I have to say. I would say most of the people that were there were in their maybe late 20s to early 30s kind of a range. I believe the youngest man that was there was just 19. And then it was all the way up to um, one man who was in, I believe his mid-50s. So there was a range there, but most people were kind of in that range of maybe the type of target audience that you might expect for someone like this.
2: And there was one particular thing that... Mr. Meeson got you guys to do at the beginning, jumping around the room.
0: Yes. So, and he mentioned that this was along the lines of power posing, uh, which is a practice that was first um, brought to the world by a group of Harvard professors in the 2010s and then went hugely viral after it was featured on a TED Talk in 2012. And it's worth noting before I go any further that since then one of the professors that contributed to that study said that she doesn't believe in the effects of power posing and uh, similar studies trying to replicate the effects have found that it is actually very difficult if not impossible when you do power posing repeatedly to have the positive effects be replicated but essentially what it is is this idea that you can help yourself become more confident by doing these physical poses that appear powerful.
2: I want to start by um, offering you a free, no-tech life hack. Um, And all it requires of you is this, that you change your posture for two minutes. But before I give it away, I want to ask you to right now do a little audit of your body and what you're doing with your body. So how many of you are sort of making yourselves smaller? Maybe you're hunching, um, crossing your legs, maybe wrapping your ankles. Sometimes we hold on to our arms like this. sometimes we uh, spread out.
0: The idea around this was, I think, A, to keep people engaged in what was a very long day, but also to get the blood flowing. And his idea was this makes you feel more confident and this pumps you up and this will make you ready to go out on dates. And that's what he said. He encouraged people. He said, if you're going out on a date, you know, like put on some music and like do this while you're getting ready. And again, it's worth noting this, you know, the dispute about power posing is whether or not you can replicate it the more and more that you do it so it's maybe not the ideal way to build up your confidence for dating that he he made it out to be
2: helping people with confidence helping people with connections or finding meaningful connections that alone doesn't sound particularly problematic was there anything in there though that did strike you as a bit of a red flag
0: absolutely the audience interactions were really the things that struck me as kind of the positives out of this But Meeson himself, and you know, there is no denying that he's he's a very charismatic operator, very good speaker, very personable, very charming. But the mask kind of slips a good few times throughout the day. And it's those little dog whistles that just jump out as misogyny and this kind of alpha male tough guy persona. And I suppose the first and maybe most egregious example of that came during one of these power posing exercises when um, he gestures at his own partner, Fernanda, who was also there and also features in most of his social media videos, although she was kind of mostly silent throughout, he gestures towards him while this is going on and he kind of starts beating his chest with his hand and he's like, you know, you can feel that energy and feel that confidence that this is giving you. And he said, if you don't approach women with that confidence and that feeling, they won't effing suck your D, is what he said. And he kind of gestured at his own partner when he said they. So So
2: disrespectful.
0: So disrespectful, demeaning, objectifying. And another example of that in which he did prompt Fernanda to contribute to it as well, he spoke about... This idea that anytime a man goes to bed by himself, it's because he has to or because he's forced to, whereas a woman could, and the way he phrased it was, uh, go to bed with a different man every night of the week if they so chose. And he gestures at Fernanda and prompts her to agree with him and she just kind of smiles and nods and says, yeah, that's true. That's right out of the playbook of incel or involuntary celibate culture on the internet. This idea that there are men who, despite desiring romantic love or sexual relations, can't get it. And that is a subculture that really feeds into misogyny, blaming women and self-loathing and self-pity, which has become quite problematic on the internet in the past number of years.
2: And then as you're saying there on the internet, the misogyny, Andrew Tate has come up quite a lot actually this year in particular. Did you see that there were any similarities there?
0: I think the similarity really comes in when you look at their social media presence. And it is this projection of an alpha male persona, the flash suits, the wealth, the success, the beautiful women. If you adopt my lifestyle, you can become like me and you can have all of these things. But when you navigate towards their websites, it's, yes, I'll coach you and teach you these things, but it's all for a fee. And it's a money-making scheme at the end of the day.
2: Rory Tavlin. It's not necessarily a new thing, gathering men together, trying to inspire, encourage, you know, this alpha male behaviour. Is it more now that social media has just given it another prominence?
1: I think the likes of Andrew Tate have certainly propelled it into a kind of a sphere in the public consciousness and popular culture, I suppose.
2: He has denied holding misogynistic views, but has also described himself as the king of toxic masculinity. His views and the backlash he faced led to him gaining a larger audience and adoring supporters. The hashtag Andrew Tate on TikTok has been viewed billions of times, with many worrying about his influence over young people online.
1: These ideas aren't anything new. It's just, I suppose, social media and the online sphere has compelled it into a place where it might have been a bit more under the radar before, whereas now it's very much public-facing and, you know, it's, it's everywhere if you want to find it.
2: It's that element of it, though, especially with Andrew Tate, that say that men are entitled to these things. So saying that dating is difficult it is and it's not there isn't one key to it or one trick to it so someone saying I I know how to help you and I will solve this issue for you is one thing and you understand why some people would be drawn to that but it's that other it's the misogyny side of it that is particularly toxic I think this time
1: Indeed they they, they kind of mix and conflate ideas you know the idea that men getting together and empowering themselves isn't in and of itself a bad thing you know that could be quite a good thing it can be positive but then they mix in the these hyper-masculine misogynist messages with the more positive elements, if you want to look at it that way. And it's this toxic mix that they uh, put out there that's really driving and they're targeting people in a very insidious
2: way. We hear the term now alpha male. That's really what is being promoted here. Can you tell me or define what an alpha male is?
1: The idea of an alpha male, again, it's not new. It's something that was taken from the animal kingdom in terms of the leader of the pack the dominant one. So it kind of sets out a world where you have the alphas and you have the betas and it's a very binary thing. So the dominant ones are the alphas and the betas are are then the subservient men. So you're either one or the other. And alpha is good. If you're not an alpha, not so good in the eyes of the people that kind of uh, promote these ideas.
2: So when did that term in particular start becoming popular in relation to humans rather than animals?
1: It's interesting in that you can't really find it in uh, popular literature until maybe the 1960s, but it really broke through in terms of the, the popular culture in the 90s in terms of discussions of business leaders, CEOs, the alpha males, the people who were successful. This was kind of a, like a popular thing, and it was, it was seen as quite a, a good thing. You know, your, your business leaders were the guys who went out there and got the job done kind of thing. Um, and even you can see it in popular culture as well in, in the 1999 film. Uh, magnolia tom cruise appears as kind of motivational speaker and pickup artist so there's a kind of breakthrough moment in the 90s where it emerges into the the kind of popular culture you're embedding this thought i am the one who's in charge i am the one who says yes yeah. no, no. no now no. here it's universal man. It is evolutional it is
2: anthropological it is biological oh. it is animal We but I suppose the context in which we're talking about alpha males is men helping other men to become them. And there is either a seminar or there's a program that others sign up to, but there's payment involved in that. So it's the capitalizing on that. When did that all start?
1: There was a subculture that had developed and existed of the pickup artists, this kind of thing. But the, the curtain was kind of really pulled back on that whole world uh, in 2005 when Neil Strauss wrote a book called The Game talking about his own experiences of looking into this world and, like, the people that existed in it. And at that point, it kind of showed. So he was just a normal guy, you know. He was, a, you know, in his own words, a schlubby writer um, who, you know, struggled with the dating game, as many people did. But it just showed in his experience that this could be taught and somebody could make you believe that you were one of these people. And then on the back of it, somebody could charge you for the experience.
2: The rise of this world and the people who push it on social media, so you think the likes of Andrew Tate or even maybe Jordan Peterson as well is in in that sphere. He sold out the Three Arena. Who exactly is attending these gigs or engaging with their content?
1: Going back to the game, the the target audience then might have been a little bit older, but in, certainly in terms of Andrew Tate, you can see the messaging is at a much younger audience. and way that it's targeted. Uh, there was a recent study done, advocacy group in the UK called Hope Not Hate, which found this was done on 16 to 24 year old people that 67% of that cohort had watched or listened to or read Andrew Tate uh, content. And then over half of 16, and 17 year olds had a kind of positive view of him.
2: What do you think it is about what these people or what these men are telling younger men that it that they're really drawn to what is it about what Andrew Tate for example is saying
1: well you can see in terms of his presentation of himself it's super successful wealth fast cars cigars you know he works out it's it, it's a it's a very kind of uh, idealized view of what a man should be and if you're kind of Pitching that at young people, young teenage boys who, you know, are just trying to find themselves, find their way in the world, that can seem like a very glamorous lifestyle.
2: Yeah. The algorithm, though, there's always conversations then about that. And I know even for myself earlier on this year, like January, February of this year, I would have no idea who Andrew Tate was. And the odd video of him would come up on YouTube short. I was going, who is this guy who has his sunglasses on in the house, who's smoking a cigar, who's saying what women should be doing and what men should be doing? I was going, who is this guy? So I was watching one or two, maybe three of his videos. And then whatever happened with the algorithm, it decided I must be interested in this. And my timeline was flooded with his content. Do you think that's another reason why... This kind of content is
0: gaining so much traction. The internet is vast. Um, You mentioned YouTube. YouTube is the most popular website on the planet. The amount of content hosted on YouTube dwarfs most other websites. So just trying to work out what content is extreme and isn't extreme is hard. Dr Brace and his team of researchers believe their work to track the spread of incel ideology online will help with counter-terrorism efforts and could even prevent future attacks.
1: Well, going back to Andrew Tate, he has an absolutely massive, or has amassed a massive following. Now, he has subsequently been banned from Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. But, you know, millions of people were tuning in and millions of people were following him on the various different social media platforms before he was banned. But even still, um, Sky News did an investigation um, where they set up an account for a 13-year-old boy on YouTube. And within two hours, he was getting promoted content from Andrew Tate and his brother, Tristan. And TikTok has also been abused of kind of failing to block misogynistic content. So even though he might be banned, there's still ways of this, his content to be sent out over different social media platforms. Other people post it on his behalf. So by banning him, almost gives him a notoriety um, among his audience. And people then, you know, either search it out for themselves or they're getting it pushed in front of them Uh, unwittingly.
2: Definitely. And it it, is very much as okay. These social media platforms said, look, we've banned them, but his content is still everywhere. So you wonder how much more do these platforms need to answer to because this content is so widespread?
1: Exactly. Like they do certainly have a responsibility here. You know, if we agree I don't know, I think we do, that, you know, misogynistic speeches and, and, and ideas are wrong, then we kind of need to do more to kind of stop them being being spread around because, you know, it's, it's, it's very dangerous.
2: Is it a case of we need more education, more conversations around what a man should be and, and men being more comfortable to be who they are and not be told what a man needs to be or not to be by whoever it is, whatever social media personality says they need to be? Is that what we need to do here? Do you think there needs to be more conversations? Men need to be talking about it more.
1: Well, I suppose if these conversations are happening outside a school classroom, then maybe we should move them into the classroom as well. If boys are seeking out these ideas and discussing them among themselves and then bringing them into a classroom where you know it can be quite prob- problematic, then why not have them in the classroom? Um, there was an article that we had uh, earlier this year, our reporter Tanya Sweeney spoke spoke to a teacher and the teacher was talking about how these ideas are in the classroom. She's hearing young boys discuss them. So maybe we need to face up head on and kind of discuss it with them. Because if they're having the conversations anyway, then it, it's, it stands to reason that it should be a more open dialogue.
2: And my thanks to Rory Tavlin and earlier Darren Nolan. I'm Tabitha Monahan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by D-Ready, researched by Dave Hanratty with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from David Meeson's YouTube channel and Newsline Cinema. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.
1: Shachtum, an Indo Askelliger. Time a e mon eructi end of Chacht erachorp. Agus sulegum a machansha, Gurfeger echor, inuik e in len of winter thing. Schilti, vis, turme.
2: Tashe si duhretchet nach vetach, ara, igornemion, unchest in a echo.
0: Vientolam a genom grave, or carn rachtum. Yet a shethorn graven, or car son, now even our own third archition, Venmar.
1: Shachtin. Find us on
2: all the usual podcast platforms.